As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and answer all of your listeners' questions. StravaCraft is the CBD-infused coffee, and it has really changed lives. Plus, you can now get it in K-Cups for your Keurig, as well as their original whole bean or ground options. And you can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 to order online and get it shipped straight to your door. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help migraines, decrease anxiety, arthritis, IBS, many others as well. So get that 20% off with DNVR20. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have an absurd amount of beers for you to try, and you can get all of those either picked up curbside or delivered to you from their two locations, one in Centennial and one in Highlands Ranch. I'm Nathan Rudolph. Joining me, as always, is AJ Hayfley, and we are back again with another episode to answer our listener questions Excuse me, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into this one. First up, we have a question from Zadita Nikorov, Nikita Zadorov with the letter switched. Uh, he asks, there was an article on NHL that discussed the 3-2-1 points system. Can you talk about why you think that system would be good or bad? Um, from a non-NHL perspective, if you're the NHL, the league very much wants to keep the two-point system Essentially because it creates fake parity. Yeah. Uh, funny. I actually briefly touched on this on the uh, TDSP today. Oh, well, there you go. Um, like very briefly, but given given how few topics are available, it's kind of funny. Um, the, the trade deadline used to be a lot more exciting because it was very clear cut who the contenders were, who the playoff uh, contenders were. And who Who were sellers. Yeah, exactly. And the seller's market is not what it used to be because teams feel like they're closer than they are. You look at a team like Chicago this year and come deadline time, it was like, well, technically they're five points back. You could totally, you know, they can make up five points in 20 games. If you ignore that, they were behind six teams. Right. There were properly five teams that believed they were out of it at the deadline this year. That's right. And that's, that's a, I think that's one reason why the deadline is not kind of, is not as exciting as it used to be. Yeah. Um, And the, uh, the other reason is that teams value draft picks in a way that they did not realize giving up their entire future might not be the best option. (laughs) Yeah. Like especially first round picks. It's like, yeah. Like they just the ELC on a first round pick is just so valuable. Yep. Uh, that 
it's tough to give up. But anyway, that's not the question. Um, the current system is it, it won't change because. The league likes the idea that uh, more fans feel like their their teams are in it every year than they actually are, and that you know that boosts ratings, attendance, all that stuff goes up because fans feel like their team still has a chance. The longer they feel like they have a chance, the more attention they pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very beneficial um, for the league to continue the system that they want. I've always advocated for the three point system. Um, well, always being when they start, when they went to this current system, I became a big fan of the three point system because I think that winning in regulation matters. Now, excuse me, this year is the first year that they went to the tiebreaker being regulation wins. And it was a, it was set to benefit Colorado in a big, big, meaningful way. Yep. And. I think that short of changing the point system, that's about as far as they can go to reward teams that win in regulation versus teams that have to go to overtime to get wins. St. Louis is a great overtime team. They're a great 3v3 team. Colorado is a bad 3v3 team. Come the postseason. Don't matter, does it? It (laughs) it does not matter. The, The amount of time that they will play on three and three, play 3v3 in the postseason is likely to be very limited. And I think that this change to reward regulation wins as the number one tiebreaker is a great is a great change. It was a subtle change, and I think that it's I, I want to see what happens with it. Yeah. All right. So the three-point system, if you don't know, uh, you get three points for a win, no points for a loss. However, in overtime, if you win, you only get two points, and the losing squad gets one. Three points total are awarded every single game, no matter what is the point. Yeah. Um, And I've come around to it more in recent years. I used to not care for it because I preferred that you can keep the two point system, but just bring back ties. That's it, it's just not happening, right? I, I well, neither is the three point system, so <laughs> mm, it certainly is not. But that's where the switch to regulation wins as the top tiebreaker is like. This is how they're rewarding teams. Well, and the other side of it is with three on three and the rules that they've developed many more games are ending in overtime than getting to that shootout anyway. Definitely. So it it would have less of an impact if they brought back ties in that regard, which drives you towards the three point system. Ultimately, if you're looking for a system that rewards winning in in regulation, the most, um, like we said, don't really expect it to ever happen. The NHL is very, very happy with their two-point parity system. Mm-hmm. Um, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, it doesn't make that much of a difference for the top-end teams anyway. Yeah. So Every year, somebody, at the end of the year, somebody does a, if this was the three-point system, here's what would change. And the changes uh, for, play, for the playoff position teams are minimal. Like Tampa and Boston would be much, much closer, but Boston would still be leading the Atlantic. 
So. Call, call, this is one of the rare years where, like, a team at the top, there would be a big change because Colorado would be ahead of St. Louis. Yep. And even then, it'd be, like, by two points or something. Yeah. It'd still be an extremely close race. Yeah. It would still be a good race, but they would definitely have the advantage uh, if yep. we went back and tallied them all up. The Avs would have that advantage. They surely would, but not the world that is the NHL. Probably never will be the NHL world. So Yeah, certainly not anytime soon. Uh, next question. This one will be really quick. M.2 asks, what car do you main in Rocket League? I got asked this before and couldn't remember, so I wrote it down this time. I use the Jaeger 619 for people who are interested in that. Probably some Rocket League stuff coming up through DNVR Gaming soon, so just keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, next actual question. You can build a squad of up to five players from the abs to join you in a video game. Who are you taking? And right off the bat, I know McKinnon and Nieto, I believe, were buddies that played Fortnite. I ain't never play Fortnite. It's not up my alley, but I take them in the shooter then. Yeah, I know uh, Jostin Comfort do as well. There you go. So you can take the roommate boys. Yeah. The batch boys, the bachelors. Yeah. All right. Seems fair enough. I, I guess I don't, would it be better to take the younger squad there? Uh, I don't think so. We're not, we're not talking about Korean pro gamers here. Fair enough. Then <laughs> where, you know, yeah. Before 14, somebody freaks you're... out that I said that, like, <laughs> We've both Rudo and I have watched esports for many, many, many years, and the difference between a fifteen-year-old and a twenty-two-year-old in esports can be significant. It is sometimes massive. Yeah, Uh, with the fifteen-year-old having the advantage, by the way, not having yeah watched multiple of these types of kids come in and just end (laughs) people. (laughs) Having having watched Maru's career, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> so, so that's that's all that's all I mean when I say that is that um in this case I don't think it would be it would matter because they're both over they're both in they're well they're all in the twenties. Yeah, that I suppose that's true. The oldest would be Nieto on, on the upper side, maybe a little bit, but the rest Yeah, and like these guys aren't pro caliber. Right, right. Like, <laughs> the, they have fine reflexes. It doesn't make a hundredth of a second difference at that level. <laughs> right. Like, you could be very good, top of server good, whatever, but, like, there's a difference between that and, like, the pro guys. It's, yeah. It, like, you go and really you is. Watch, watch, like, pro CS. You go watch pro Counter-Strike, and it's like, okay. It, it's you, just... You just killed it. You didn't even see that guy. Exactly. Like he has no idea what killed him, but somehow he'll know because he's also pro. Playing against pros in in a shooter like that, it's like being ah Devin Dubnik against the Avs and on his the own team. New Jersey retirement night. Yeah, you're holding the angle. You know where the guy is going to show up from, and you still just never see the puck, and it's in mm-hmm. the back of your net. It's exactly like that. Like stopping a Shea Weber slap shot. Yes, exactly. You know it's coming. You know they're setting it up, and then it happens, and you just never see it. Yep. And then you're you're done. It's over. Yeah. And you're kind of thankful <laughs> that, that it's it didn't over. hit you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you know, it's not the worst thing that that went by me. <laughs> I'll take my chances. I've had worse fates. <laughs> exactly. 
I'd like to make more saves in my future. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery. Pour one out for your goalies that take all of that rubber all over their body. I'm sure many of them have been beaten and bruised by big that slap was shots. Such an work. awkward transition. That's okay. I'll take they, it. They anyway. can't all be amazing, but that one was awkward. A poor one out for your goalie was fine. They went off the rails after that. But. Yep. <laughs> poor one out for your goalie is always like a good transition because the goalies out there feel heartwarmed. And everybody knows that you always protect the goalie anyway, so you're always pouring shit out for him anyway. So there you go. Make it a Breckenridge Brew, Avalanche Amber, Strawberry Sky, <laughs> Vanilla Porter Jr. They're all delicious, and you can pick them up from the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse in Littleton. You can also get a meal there from 12 to 8 p.m. You get $5 off when you use code DNVR. Give them a call at 303-803-1380. Please help support Breckenridge Brewery and all of our sponsors, for that matter. In times like this, it means a ton to us. It keeps us going. It keeps them going. Everybody wins when you can support these guys. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Ruto. He's AJ. We're answering your questions, starting off period two with a big one, a big what if. What would the Avs look like, assuming that hockey was happening, had they drafted Jonathan Huberdeau instead of Gabe Landeskog at two back in, was that 2011, I believe? Yeah, 2011. Yeah. So, on the surface, not much changes. Yep. Left wing for a left wing, both high end, both first line guys. Uh, Huberdeau obviously having uh, like 90 point seasons. Versus Landeskog having 70-point seasons the last couple of years. Yep. So each guy blowing up at the same time in their, in the right in the heart of their prime when you expect them to blow up the most. However, the one big thing, the one big aspect here was Colorado's naming of Landeskog as captain. Right. And the That's effect that that had on... Yep. Yep. That had the, the, the effect that that had on Ryan Orion relationship with the team, Ryan O'Reilly's relationship with the team. Yeah. If there's no Landis Cog and they draft Uberdo and Uberdo does not become some kind of captain material yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Does not have a Calder season and then roll in and take the captaincy. Uh, hey, do uh, you know, hey, do cans it over to him. Then, you know, maybe the team's relationship with O'Reilly looks very different. Maybe he gets that captain. Do you and think they give it to O'Reilly over Duchesne in that situation? I don't. I don't know. I don't know that Hayduke would have given it up before his last year. Yeah, that's and true. And so too. another year would have taken place where, and then Hayduke retires. We don't know what that world looks like. Very true. But we know that that was something that poisoned, that helped poison the well. Obviously, contract stuff is the main driving force there with O'Reilly, but... Certainly played a role in it um, to change that, to not have Landy and to have O'Reilly. It's just a different world. We don't know what that looks like. I um, Obviously still speculating here. And, exactly. And we don't know, but I, I do mean, wonder. Go ahead. If, if the Evs had still traded for EJ that year as well, I wonder if he establishes himself as a potential captain candidate, then given what we know about EJ on the team now. Yeah. So 
a, as good a question as any. Right. Again, all speculation we don't know, obviously, because we don't live in that timeline. But Yeah, well, and then Landis Cog also, you know, they, they don't have the same early success that yep. they did. The 2013-14 season maybe doesn't happen the way that it does because Uberto was yeah. a slower burn. Yeah, it definitely. Took him, it took him a little bit longer. The thing with Landis Cog was that he was NHL ready. That was one of his selling points on day one was that he was going to come into the league ready to rock. And yeah. he did that, and he lived up to that just the way you would have expected. Yeah, but... Outside of the one shortened season, you know, Landy is pretty much an automatic 20 goal guy, whereas it took Huberto four seasons to hit his first 20 and mm-hmm. definitely a little bit on the slower side. Yeah. Um, but if you look at it, you know, the, Huberto in his career, Huberto has 97 fewer games played. Yeah. And he's only 23 points behind Landis Scott. Yeah. I d- and today, certainly, Huberto is giving you more on the offensive side of the puck. Definitely. I, I do wonder, it, it, building the team does change. Yes, they both fill that left-wing slot, but Landy being a much more well-rounded player, and, and not to say Huberto isn't, but right. uh, he does lean more offensively-minded than Landy's. Basically, the guy on the top line that covers the defense while the, the big guns put the puck in the net. So I, I do wonder if they lean into Hubert a little bit more. I mean, people had been asking for Matt Duchesne to play with a quality winger in Colorado for years and years and years. Not to say Landis Gog wasn't, but maybe Huberto helps Matt Duchesne figure out some things as well. I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, there are so many factors. Yeah. Um, it, what if, what, you know, what if it does not, have any effect on the O'Reilly situation whatsoever. And you're out the captain that you have right now. That's helped turn this whole thing around. You know, the, the, the pride and the wanting to be here and the desire to build it up in Colorado. Maybe, maybe after the 48 point season, maybe the 48 point season happens the same way. And Uberto asks out. It could, it very well could have. It's, and like you said, if 13-14 doesn't happen the same way, does this team just have more of a slower, more standard rebuild where there is no Miko Rantanen even on this team? You don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it could be when you're going back that far, and yeah. I know it's only nine years, but the, the diverging I mean, it's nine just, years. You're talking about a decade. Right. That's true. It It's such a – you could end up with a – Colorado avalanche that is completely unrecognizable compared to what we know today. So very interesting to dive into those realms, but before we get too too down the rabbit hole, we probably need to, to keep it rolling here uh, a little bit. So next question comes from DNVR Atlas. Uh, This one is can NHL teams hire consultants mid season? For example, can they sign them to a contract for a two-week period, or could they sign someone like Will Scouching for uh, Will Scouch, sorry, uh, for a weekend before the draft to give them information? Uh, yeah, 
they uh they hired that way back in the day uh they hired Zach Erback um who's long I believe he's with Columbus um these days and has been there for quite a while but he was a one of the first like analytics consultants for the Avs many many years ago yep um so yeah they can they can definitely do that so there you go I the interesting part of that is is midseason, right? Because it's a lot easier to hire someone on the outside, like a consultant, in the middle of a year. As many people have talked about wanting to find the Abs a new power play coach midseason. Yeah, you're not going to do that. Like, yeah, you have a you have an assistant. Okay, so you do that. Okay, you listen to the you listen to Twitter, you listen to social media, and you bring in this guy. You have undermined one of your coaches who's under contract and you've set the precedent that you're willing to do that to every future coach who ever will work for you. Good luck hiring a guy. Yep. It gets... good luck, good, I should say good luck hiring a guy who is not immediately looking to use whatever success he may have with you as a step, as a stepping stone. Yeah. It, I mean, the whole situation becomes extremely tough because, first of all, what names are even going to be out there in the middle of the season right? for, for an assistant coaching job? Right. Like when when uh, Bruce Boudreau was fired in Minnesota, my initial thought was, hey, um, you know, Bob Woods has been like his right hand man for a million years and he's been running he's been running good power play units forever. Yep. That could be that would be an answer to that question. Who's going to be out there? But again, there are human elements to this. Sure. That you have to, you just have to consider you bring. Okay. So you bring Bob Woods in just for this example. It creates a similar situation that you had in uh, 16, 17 when Nolan Pratt got hired and they still had Dave Farish under contract for a year. And Dave Farish ended up skating around being the designated puck picker upper. Yep. Did not did not participate in practices, was not actively part of the discussions during during on ice sessions. I don't know what he did behind the scenes. And to that was his last coaching gig. Right. And he's now, you know, I see him all the time at Pepsi Center. He's now uh, a, a scout. Yep. For somebody, I don't, I don't even remember who, but he's now scouting for somebody, and you know, you wonder how many coaching opportunities in the NHL he got after that. Uh, how many, you know, did was that was that the end of his career? And that's and and that sets up that's a, I mean that's a that's an ugly look for the Avalanche that they let that happen that they didn't release him for the contract or. You know, maybe he just wanted to get paid for the year. We don't really know what happened there, but I think that that's an, I think that that's a really, it's a good example of what happens when you end up with one too many cooks in the kitchen. And obviously those units were terrible and dysfunctional and blah, 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 for a lot of reasons. But that absolutely that they had both Pratt and Farish on staff that year absolutely did not help anything. Yeah, the regardless of what happened behind the scenes that people don't know, including us, the optics of it are not good. Definitely. So. And if if you get to February and you're like, okay, well, our power play is still struggling. We're going to bring in a consultant here. 
it's such a slap in the face to that coach. Right. And and this is a an organization, especially under Joe Sackick, that is extremely well known, at least with the players, in treating them right and, and giving right. them all of those opportunities. So it would be a very weird contrast to continue to do that to the coaches. Well, and then uh, so that happens. And like, look, I get I saw people there were literally dudes on Twitter today uh, subtweeting that about me about about my willingness to defend the team or the the power play or whatever and it's like i'm just saying you don't make in-season changes it just doesn't happen in hockey that's the only thing you want to fire him over the summer that's fine i have no issues i mean you make your choices right you want to look at what changing the systems and implementing them in a couple of short weeks you get a 48 point season from Jared Bednar that's <laughs> because of the shortened preseason that he had to implement systems. Yeah. It, and, and obviously, and that was obviously a whole bag of right. Very different, but it's, it's a kind of a blown up version of let's say you try and switch your PK or power play in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Switching coaches, not the same coach trying a different system. Right. You're talking about a completely new person that these guys have no relationship with, and maybe he wants to run not only a different system, but now practice is different. Now uh, video sessions are different. There's no rapport. There's no trust. All that stuff has to be built back up and, and rebuilt. And it's just, it's a lot to ask in season. Like, I'm not saying that the power play, that it's acceptable that the power play be 19th in the NHL. I just don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, you switch it mid-season and it could drop to 25th. Like, Right. And then you're like, hey, you know what? That 19th starting to look pretty good. You don't know. Like, we saw we saw the Avs, the penalty kill this year might actually be a great example here. Uh, because they yeah. switched how they were playing. And it went from a unit that was reliably getting scored on almost every game to a unit that finished the season on a really strong note. Yeah, it could go that way as well. There's always the chance that it gets better, but you don't know which way it's going to go. Right. The The thing was, was that the, the frustration I think with the power play was there weren't changes being made. And then when the injuries piled up, you were just kind of sitting there left wondering like, okay, you know, now this is, this is, now they're hurt and the system isn't very good. And of course, the last game that they played, they scored multiple power play goals. Yep. And uh, we could really, we could totally, we could totally get into that and why, because it was just because those guys wanted to shoot and the top units with the top players don't. And I don't think they're being coached to do that. Yeah. It's... I, I, I'm just, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just really struggling to, to come up with a conversation in practice in which uh, his uh, Ray Ray Bennett, his name's been escaping me this entire show, <laughs> uh, in which Ray Bennett is like, okay, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to not move at all, move the puck back and forth, only shoot from the point when there are guys in the lane, or try and set Nate up for a one-timer, which is not even his bread and butter. So let's do that and let's limit the number of shots. I just don't, I just think that the top guys are just trying to be too cute. They're not being coached to do that. 
but I also don't know where coaching stops and playing begins when it comes to those units. And the easy thing to do is to just blame the coach. It's I what mean, we do. It, it, there are two sides to that too, right? At what point as the coach do you just say, look, shoot the dang puck? Yeah. Well, and we've, we've heard Jared Bednar say it in post-game pressers. Yep. Well, we'll say, hey, what are you seeing? What do you think is wrong with this? What, do you, what are your thoughts on this? And he just says, we're getting too cute. We're trying to be too fine. We're trying to be too perfect. We're trying to make too perfect of a play. We're not keeping it simple. They keep it. One reason why Colorado shot metrics at five on five have gotten so much better is because they have a commitment to keeping it simple. That changes on the power play. They try and look for the perfect shot. You have a man advantage. You should be looking for a quality scoring chance, but it should not come at the expense of creating quality opportunities. Like, well said. You should not be. You should not be. I, I. You're trying to create quality quality scoring chances. It should not be at the expense of shooting entirely. That's what I'm trying to say. Yep. They don't all have to be a one chances. Yeah. And you have an extra man on the ice. Go out there and win puck battles when you miss the shot. The other thing about not shooting is that when you do, you give the puck up. Puck possession is valuable, but only to a point. You need to have the puck in order to be able to score, but you can't score without taking the chance on giving it up via the shot. So you want to find the best shot. You want to find the uh, the best. You're, you're, trying to, you're trying to balance all of that, right? Yep. And the coach's job is to create a system in which they are creating, consistently creating scoring opportunities that are good. And that's where Ray Bennett is failing them, is that their system is not... Their system does not create quality opportunities and the players on the ice are not doing it either. Like they're, they're not, uh, they, they deserve blame as well. You can't just blame a coach in the NHL because they don't set foot on the ice. I wish they would. Could you imagine if there was like a Lou Pinella of the NHL? I guess you have Tortorella, right? But imagine if he would step out onto the ice and get up in the ref's faces. Yeah, but I mean, like, physically, they're not playing anything. So. I know what you mean. I did. It would be awesome. Like, the, the Islanders game a couple years ago in Denver where um, Doug Wake got thrown out of that game. Yep. That was awesome. I still don't know what happened, but it was awesome. <laughs> well, anyway. on that note, the Avs have quite the coaching history, AJ. You see... When Wah takes his balls off the table, he usually heads to the Bednar. But first, he nice. needs to make his Sacco look good. And wow. that is where Manscaped comes into play. Be sure to make your family jewels look at their tip-top shape with their new trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0. It is an amazing trimmer that will take care of all your jungle needs down there. And if you order the full package, you'll get some ball toner. You'll get some ball deodorant. You'll even get some extra cleaning products as well. A little bit of everything for you. And you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code DNVR20. Get on it. Don't end up fired like Sacco and Wah. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> if you do all that, is that how you win her Hartley? Oh, another one. Got him. There we yes. go. We'll have to figure out how to get Granado in there and uh, in Quinville, too. Those will be tough. But <laughs> Yeah, and we don't know. We don't know Crawford either. No. 
Yeah, yeah. That was a pretty. That was awesome, actually. That yeah, was very well done. I did not see any of that coming. Made up for the the first intermission segue with that one. So we'll be back in a that second. Was fun. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ answering your questions. This next one comes from Eddie Blue. You can at him on Twitter at eblue underscore 26. He is the man running the NHL 20 tournament for our DNVR account. So if you want to get in on some of that hockey action with DNVR, hit him up, let him know you're interested, and that will be a fun time. I'm sure we'll stream some of it on our Twitch as well. Mm -hmm. But his question, as we get to it, is if you had to pick one player from each team to enter a Hunger Game scenario, who would you choose and who would win? Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pick 31 players, but I will go through a couple of my favorites. And I, I guess we should probably both pick an av as well. Uh, okay, well, we'll start there. Who's your av? I thought about it a little bit, and I ultimately kept settling on EJ. Because I think he's the outdoorsy type. He can ride horses if there's any dealing with animals at the time. I would trust him to be able to like build me a mud hut if I needed it. Okay. So survival instincts. Let's <laughs> go with EJ. Okay. I'm going with Kale McCarr. The youngster. Because I would that's just not a dude I'm ever going to doubt in life. Because <laughs> he's just awesome and gonna be a star at everything. Basically. Hey, plus he can teach you that mayo chicken recipe. So more importantly, like whatever that guy is doing right now, like I, I hope he's like learning how to play dominoes or blackjack or dominating whatever. the world, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. We're going to see him in two months. We're going to see him on those pro marble race streams, <laughs> just destroying people. <laughs> the perfectly weighted marble or whatever. Exactly. And he will have, he will have figured out like the optimal routes through every track yeah. <laughs> and be like, all right, I just got this. Cause this, I just, I'm not betting against Kale McCarr ever. It's this McCarr would be like probably the system group one. What are they called? District one. District one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Landis would be district one. Cause he's the super yeah, pretty that, boy. That's and, true. Very like, accurate. He yeah. Right for this. Right. And then Kale <laughs> McCarr just shows up and smokes him in seven minutes. And everybody's like, how did that happen? Yeah. I had, McCarr's good enough looking, maybe more like district two or something. One of the higher up ones, I think, but you're definitely right. That Landy would be district one. Yep. Um, I kind of stuck with my survival instinct looking theme. Cause I had Brent Burns on my list as well. Nice, nice. I'm not worried about how poor his defense is when it comes to like trying to shoot other people, mostly. <laughs> yeah, I he doesn't have to worry about guys trying to go wide on him. They'll go right at him, and that'll play right into him. There you go, perfect. Never afraid to pull the trigger either. So yeah, uh, one of my guys. I'm going with Robin Leonard. Okay, uh, there's a little bit of crazy there, maybe. Exactly that when you need to turn it on. Yep. There's a switch. Um, plus, very cerebral guy in general. Yeah. And uh, just, a, I mean, a personal favorite of mine. So <laughs> definitely fair. I don't, I didn't pick a goalie. Um, He's my only goalie. The rest of for, them I don't trust. <laughs> on the forward side, uh, I did have Wayne Simmons. Okay. I have just, Matthew Kachuk. Oh, that's mean. See, Simmons, like, I would pick as 
a, a bodyguard type. Like he's not going to win the tournament, but he'll set someone else up to win it type th- scenario. So I have I would have both Kachuk and Marshan because they're both crafty. And yeah, Marshan my, my only concern is is that the other people will hate them so much that they decide they give everyone else the rewards. Screw <laughs> this. We're banding together. We're smoking these dudes, and then we'll sort the rest out later. <laughs> That's the yeah. only thing about Kachuk and Marshan that I'm that 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 worries me about this. Um underrated pick, Brendan Gallagher. Super Ooh. tiny guy, insanely scrappy, heart and soul guy, likable enough that he doesn't have the Kachuk Marshan problem, but has all of their feistiness and uh, kind of heart and soul uh, aspect to him. I mean, you got to throw Matt Calvert's name in the ring if you're going heart and soul, right? Yeah, Uh, Matt Calvert is another guy, although I think children have made him soft. (laughs) I mean, just tell him (laughs) the arena is the ice and the other team's trying to shoot the puck. Yeah, he'll take care of it. If you're defending a you're defending a one goal lead in the last minute of a game. Yep. He would he still had that I, I guess it's been a while, but when he was back with Columbus and straight up brutalized whoever it was, I forget, with the cross check at center ice at the end of the game. Yeah. Has a has that element to him. That would probably be the problem with Calvert is that he's a little too willing to, to sacrifice the body. And uh in hockey you can just get up. Yeah, that's but true. In, in Hunger Games, when you sacrifice the body, you're dead. You dead, <laughs> and the your games are over. So uh, maybe a little too willing, and that's that's the other thing with Gallagher that I think I like is that willing to hang back and kind of let things play out. Yeah. Um, two other guys that I think as as suddenly this goes from like, hey, we're gonna name like one or two players and now we yeah. have this whole list. Might just make it to thirty one. Yeah, we've got like tier list tiers lists by the end of it. <laughs> um Radko Gudis. I don't even know who he plays for anymore, but he's scary. He doesn't he wouldn't even have to speak English at the tournament or at the event. Just like sit there and look mean. Yeah. Like <laughs> is is like Nachushkin is like visually intimidating when you just look at him. But then we saw him try and fight that one time and it was like, Oh boy, this ain't it chief. (laughs) Exactly. Whereas like Radko Gudis were like, Oh yeah, he'll just straight slew foot somebody like he doesn't, (laughs) he's good. He does not have, he, there are no moral objections here. Yep. Uh, and then Ovechkin is another one where it's just like, I, I... Ovechkin is 100%. Like he would get drafted into that event and it would turn out that he was a sleeper agent and the KGB say the code word and he just becomes a killing machine. Like, yeah. Like that, like he's all fun in games during the, the lead up when they're trying to raise money for, you know, yeah. Being, Oh yeah. You need the God. I don't even remember what they call them in those movies, but when they're trying to raise the monies, he would be, he would be like the fun, jovial, like silly, goofy, aloof Russian that like the, the stereotype, like fun Russian. Right. It'd be the all-star game where he's just drinking and telling everyone he needs car. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And then the competition would start and he would turn into Ivan Drago, but not lose. Yep. (laughs) Where he's like, he goes, he goes from, I need car to, I must break you. (laughs) And then that's it. You know, if he dies, he dies. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll be back. Yeah, if that like right, like very Terminator style, like okay, yeah. this is it, you know? Yep. So so does Ovi win? Are we calling Ovi our winner? Oh uh, I don't I don't want to declare a winner. Because I, I wanna I would I would put money on my man Galley from Montreal. Yeah. Wait till the final like three and, and snipe it in there. Yeah. Plus I'm All not right. betting against Kilmacar. <laughs> True. They break the system and escape, like what happens in the movies. I am not picking one from Toronto. <laughs> because you'd have to pick JT? I mean, oh. <laughs> if I wanted, that was cold. That was cold, dude. I don't want to talk to you. There. I don't want to talk to you anymore. All right. If I had to pick, there's no point picking from Toronto because if I wanted marshmallows, I would just make s'mores. Got him. So, not there even gonna go. bother, man. That'd be the people that get eliminated immediately. Yeah, the, the right. ones that like don't survive the initial like fifteen seconds. Yeah, like everyone else starts running towards all the weapon cash, and they just freeze. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, one final question here, and then AJ can stop talking to me. Would the NHL ever do a mini tournament at a neutral site? Uh, maybe try some of the cities that we talked about as potential expansion options, something like that. You could, they go on to say, you could even put teams that cough, cough, Arizona, cough, cough, Florida, teams that are struggling with attendance in these scenarios to see if you could get fans to show up. But on, on a general basis, essentially mini tournament type things, kind of like what they do for the prospect showcases. Um, maybe they could consider something like that. Like, well, obviously, we saw with the World Cup, they kind of went that route, right? It's like a mini tournament, yeah. right? Um, the problem would be getting guys to take it seriously because they won't want to subject themselves to any injury risk. I mean, yeah, I. I assumed this question was in regards to like in the middle of the regular season, like they do in college with like the bean pot and things like that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, but I don't, I don't see where it's in any of their interests and especially to do it in a city that doesn't have a team. I mean, like we were, we were theorizing like, okay, Wow, come watch the Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche and Arizona Coyotes and Vegas Golden Knights play at the Toyota Center in downtown Houston. Is it that different from going to Sweden and Finland? Yes, because they line those up with like the 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 Sens and Abs had a number of Swedish players. That Swedes yes. wanted to come out and see, right? Like, you're. I just don't. Why is Houston going to care about these four random NHL teams? It's if their own team, that's fine. But I don't know why they would come out and and watch a tournament of just random NHL teams play each other. I I just don't know why they would. I if if I was living in a city that did not have a team and. Well, I guess I'm a bad example because I'm a heroin addict when it comes to sports, but <laughs> yeah, you definitely watch. Don't lie. <laughs> yeah. Like I would definitely, of course I would be there. 
um but it's uh, like your kid your average person i don't i i don't think that that's i get i get the concept i don't think that that would go yeah the I way mean, that you wanted it to you'd have to really bill it as like oh if you team if your city shows up well to this maybe you'll get an expansion bid or something like that yeah, like if that was like if that was like the business dealing on the back on the back end of it, like hey, this is kind of a test balloon to see how you guys could support the game. Yeah, um, they would also have to give fans of those teams reasons to come and see those games because you would be taking games away from those cities. Right. That that was my bigger concern is why are these teams going to want to play on a neutral site in the middle of their season for multiple games. Right. It's and... the mystery Alaska plot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why is this happening? <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, I think it would be cool. Maybe file it alongside the three-point system with things that just aren't going to happen. Yeah. Unfortunate, but a bit of reality. Uh, that's just kind of the way things go sometimes but it is what it is um i guess that's all i got aj unless you have any final questions or answers no i think i'm good sweet let's go ahead and get out of this thing then as thank you everyone for submitting your questions as always always appreciate it glad y'all are still listening along to us through these times yeah, I guess that's it for this whole week. It is a Friday. Sometimes I forget what day it is, but it is Friday. So we will be out of here for the weekend and back on Monday. Not sure if we'll be doing a post-game pod for Game 82 against the Blues or not. We'll be playing it by ear a little bit. But either way, you will hear from us then. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects and has been since 1972. They can make literally anything you can imagine out of molded rubber and specifically snowplow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted to meet whatever your mounting specifications might be. Be sure to get at them for all your snowplow needs and any other projects you might have. You can even buy in bulk at a fantastic rate if you're working on something big. You can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfalee.